All right, so we're back with another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we're going to go back and look at the past season and grade some more players, just like we did last week. And uh, oh, by the way, Orange County's had some roster announcements, and there's some USL news to talk about. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And I totally messed up that part. Here we go. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. <laughs> Thomas and I'm totally messing things up. Okay, You're I'm on gonna... a great start. What do you want to talk about start. this soccer? <laughs> there we go. Right. I'm gonna um, you know, those of you listening live, this is what happens when we broadcast live. We're gonna just start all over. Well, you should just leave this for everyone. Yeah, we should just leave this. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> this is the orange and black soccer cast. And now the music doesn't work. the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. So one two Godoy. He's found a great ball into Voltson. Plenty of time. He smashes it home and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas and Voltson. Segbra sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there. Crosses it. Pineda. The extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and bearing aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! An equalizer and a winner in second half. Smoking time for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters i'm your host ray samora and i'm with you each and every episode as we discuss all things orange county soccer club and joining me as he does each and every episode, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how are we doing? Oh, man, it's busy. Um, it's the middle of my finals week. I'm dying. Uh, but I'm here, right? I get to This is the best part of my week, especially this week. I get to talk about soccer for about an hour. Take a break away from uh, those finals. Uh, and, and listeners, you should uh, feel, feel grateful because I think Dylan's trying to work on some stuff. He's going to probably work on some, uh, some of his... Uh, finals work after we finish recording this episode so again, yeah, I'll be up all night. <laughs> the life Oops. of a college student staying up all night on finals week to try and uh, get all that last bit of information onto your paper oh, oh what paper are you writing dylan i'm writing a paper about uh about the bell jar and the uh, incongruity of esther as a uh, as a protagonist so you didn't go with green eggs and ham I didn't. Um, wasn't wasn't a uh, literature uh, <laughs> piece of literature that I read this semester, unfortunately. Uh, you, if you get a chance, you should check it out. It's it's a great great read. I have read it. A great plot. And, and I, I won't ruin the secret on that. But uh, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to go back through and do some more grading of the players for this past season. Last week we went through some of the players that had limited roles with the team this past season and now we're going to get into some players that played a little bit more throughout the season with orange county we're also going to discuss because uh orange county finally uh released some roster information so we will talk about that 
Uh, and then also some USL news. Uh, we're recording this late Wednesday. Some news sort of broke uh, on Wednesday uh, concerning a USL team that plays in Canada and some, I guess they've been told, nope, you're not going to get to. And now, uh, you know, Twitter's a buzz. Social media is a buzz. People are trying to figure out what's going on with this and what the outcome will be. And I know Dylan has an opinion on it. I have an opinion on it. Um, we'll I have an that. opinion about everything. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, you have a, an opinion about everything, Dylan. Coke or Pepsi? The water? I don't really drink soda. <laughs> well, I mean, you have an opinion about everything, don't you? Um, your, your local soda company. That's what I'm going to say. Support your local soda company. I don't know what our local soda company is here in Orange I'll County. Um, so we're going to do this, um, before we get into the grades, actually, let's, let's go into the roster announcements that were, uh, released by the club. This just, I believe a day ago, they announced the return of five players from last year's squad. Um, those five players, uh, let me see. We, we just went over this. Yeah, we did. I'm just trying to, I had, you know. Technical issues. We're just having a bunch of issues today. Do you want uh, me to go over the? Dylan, go ahead. Well, I try and uh, take care of some technical issues. Okay. Well, the five re-signed players, of course, uh, Ray's favorite, Walker Hume, right back, Joe Amico, forward, Giovanni Ramos Godoy, uh, forward slash midfielder, Darwin Jones, and uh, I believe left back slash right back. I think you can play on either side. We'll see on Contour. So, uh, you know, should be good. The the good thing is is those five announced players. They were five players that played a big part or a big role for the team throughout the season. Some of them more than others. Some of them maybe took a back seat as we got towards the final stretch of the season. But definitely, all five of those players are players you can expect to see out on the pitch for Orange County uh, and getting some big minutes uh, throughout the season. I believe when we're looking at those names, the one that got the least amount of minutes last season was Geo. Uh, Giovanni Godoy, um, but we've talked about it. Depending on what happens up top, we, uh, we know we know we've got Michael Seaton there that is going to probably play a, a, a bigger role than he did even last season. But if we're going to look at the same type of strategy and we don't really bring in any other players up top, you're looking at Giovanni Godoy with an opportunity to play up uh, on the attacking role next to Seaton and maybe filling in for Enavoltsen if Enavoltsen doesn't make a return or if we don't bring in anyone else. So five good names to see uh, if you're a fan of Orange County on the returning end. I know there's some names that all Orange County fans are still looking at and saying, what about this person? What about that person? Uh, we're going to hear more. Uh, the big names, I think Dylan and I were talking about it before we got started. The big names, probably not going to hear until a lot later because some of those names that have been discussed, those are players that are, are fringe MLS or maybe fringe first league outside of the U.S., players that are maybe looking for that type of opportunity before they decide to come back to Orange County in the USL. Um, out of those five returning names, which one is has you the most excited, Dylan? Man, that's a difficult one. Um, probably a toss-up between Walker Hume and uh, Joe Amico. Uh, haven't really interacted with Walker, um, but it was always fun talking to uh, Joe this past season. And he seemed to really enjoy playing here and got along with everyone. So I'm, I'm getting all warm and excited about next season already. <laughs> I just, I, I just remember with uh, Joe Miko, I spoke to him after that last game, the loss in the Western Conference Finals. 
And the last thing he said to me was, see you next season. So uh, I was pretty confident he'd be back. Um, I, I, think he was, I think he was pretty. Well, I didn't want to, you know, jump out and say something until we knew sort of an official word on that. Uh, but it was one of the things that he told me uh, as, you know, we were both sort of ending our season, us, me and Dylan as uh, media coverage for the team and then the players themselves. Uh, for me, the one I'm most excited maybe uh, returning is uh, DJ. Um, Darwin Jones joined us. Are you allowed to call him that? If if you look at, you know, those uh, little trading cards that the team sold this season, if you look in the back, that's what his nickname is on that card is DJ. Um, So, yeah, DJ. Uh, Darwin Jones (laughs) joined us mid-season. It took a little bit of time maybe for him to sort of get settled onto the team and find out, figure out his role. I mean, we always knew he was a, 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 a winger. Uh, but I think, you know, as with anyone that joins midseason, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to sort of see where they're going to fit in with this group of players. But I'm excited to now be able to bring them in for training camp, uh, get them in there at the beginning of the season and unleashing what we can see out of them. Because we saw some flashes of brilliance out of, out of him uh, in the season. And I just think coming in for a full season, it's probably going to be a lot better for him out there. Um, but yeah, like you said, all those names are awesome names and people are going to be shocked. I didn't say Walker Hume is who I'm most excited. You're just saying Walker Hume. So that like when I say who's the best Orange County player, I say Aiden Quinn. So no one says, Oh, you're so biased. Yeah. But Michael Seaton's back in Orange County. So uh... (laughs) everyone knows that for what I, and I don't even know what it is about Walker Hume. I just think uh, I'm, I've always been one of those, those guys. if, If you know me, I'm. Once I pick some, you know, a player or a team or just anything that I like, I usually stick with it. I've stuck with Xbox forever since the first Xbox. Uh, I've stuck with Google since I got my first Android devi- device, and now Google, you know, pretty much Boys. runs my life. Um, You're from New Jersey, are you? <laughs> got my first Google device. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, sports teams, Clippers, Angels. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur, now Orange County Soccer Club. It's sort of the the teams that I just I follow, and I'm just going to be committed to those teams. Walker Hume was one of those first players that I just sort of, I, I don't know if it was at the first game I watched uh, uh, this season, uh, that opening match against Phoenix, if I if it was what, something I saw there or what it was, but it's just one of those players that I'm like, ooh, that's a that's a guy that uh, that's going to make a good uh, impression for or a good uh, um, impact, good impact for the team. Yes, thank you, Dylan. Yeah. So I mean, it's just because he's big and young. Let's be real. <laughs> and those of you that know the remainder of that uh, little comment there, you can just think of it to yourselves. We're not going to repeat it or we're not going to say it here. On yeah, that impact might be a, a little bit more of a euphemism than previously thought. <laughs> well, let's That's do this. Let's... Not if children's show anymore. <laughs> you know, we're, we're doing like our intro here has gone like, what, 10 minutes now or whatever it's gone. So let's uh, let's start getting into some of the actual things that we want to talk about. One of those things we want to talk about is our player grades. Uh, And we're going to start off with one of those returning players. We're going to uh, speak about uh, Darwin Jones. Darwin Jones, again, joined us mid-season. He was part of the, I believe, Seattle Sounders youth development uh, program. Uh, Became available, came over to us in Orange County and had a pretty good... uh, season for orange county let's see he what did he do for us he did score two goals i I believe both of those goals were in the same match Um, played a little bit over a thousand minutes combined when you look at the um regular season and the playoffs played in all three of the playoff games 
uh, and I think he had an assist in the playoff final. So, Dylan, what are your thoughts on DJ Darwin Jones? I'm going to go with calling him uh, Darwin or Darwin Jones because um, I, I don't know him that well. But apparently, Ray, you know him pretty well enough to call him DJ. Uh, but he's been – he was a good pickup. I, I didn't know who he was before we signed him. Um, didn't know what to expect. Kind of thought he was going to come in as, as maybe coverage for someone else. Um, but actually ended up being a pretty pretty good player throughout the season. Um you know, only scored the two goals um, and didn't didn't really take that many shots on target. But he was a he was really fast uh, out there on the wing, and I think him and Austin working in tandem put a lot of pressure on both the midfield and uh, the defense of opposing teams. And generally, seemed like it was pretty difficult to handle because um, they'd have to pull guys out to go and play with those two. So. I think having him come back is going to be a big pickup, but especially um, based on how he played this past season. And I think uh, if if that continues, we've got a lot to to look forward to. Um, stats aren't you know USL leading or anything, but definitely had a good impact on this team and, and was a very consistent performer. So that's the kind of thing that I mean the team needs moving forward. And if he keeps it up. One of, the, one, of the big, one of the big things that excite me about him, like I said, is he's going to be coming in at the beginning of the season with a chance to sort of, I mean, he's already found his way into, you know, what the system is for Coach Braden Cloutier. Um, but now coming in at the beginning of the season, having a full training camp, full preseason, uh, he's going to, I expect bigger and better things out of him than what we saw in the half season that we saw out of him, so. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, by the way, Dylan. No, you're all good. You're all good. It's like I'm just warming <laughs> up to this week's podcast. I've, I've been so preoccupied <laughs> thinking about other things, and I'm like, oh, man, what are we doing? I'm not just roasting uh, Ray for something? <laughs> uh, let's do this. Um, what would you? What grade would you give Darwin? Uh, and we'll go with the same grading system we did last week. We're going to do traditional, you know, A, B, C, D, F, um, incomplete, withdrawal. Um, okay, well... Um, you know, Darwin's the guy that showed up uh, two weeks into the semester after dropping another class, but uh, immediately puts his head down, gets to work, and then somehow ends up doing better than all of your uh, all the exams than you do. Um, I'm gonna have to give him a B. Uh, you know, I I don't want to give him anything higher because we didn't see him for a full season, but he did have a good impact once he settled in, got everything going, and. Uh, eh. He was a good player and a fast player, and I think that added a lot to our team. Um, giving us some width was a huge aspect of that as well. Great. Uh, I'm going to sort of agree with you, but I'm going to go a slight bit better. I'm going to give him a B plus. Uh, I think when he came in, didn't quite know what to expect out of him. I believe he definitely um, performed better than what could have been expected when you're bringing him in midseason. Um, the fact that he did play in all three of the playoff matches uh i believe he started all of the playoff matches as well so uh, the fact that he played a big role on this team that made a deep run in the playoffs shows there was a you know that there was a value for him being out there on the pitch uh, while he was with orange county and overall pretty solid performances in each of the matches he played in um yeah the stats could have been a little bit better you could have maybe hoped for maybe another 
few goals or some more assists out of him. Um, but again, I, I play that to, you know, he came in midseason, so it's, it's sort of difficult to make that kind of transition and impact when you're coming in midseason trying to find your your place on the team and your role and uh, fitting in with these other players. So overall, I think he had a great season. Could have been better, but um, definitely did more than uh, I expected when he first came in. So B-plus for me, B for Dylan. Pretty close. Yeah. I think it's pretty fair to say that it's fair that he didn't score as many goals as maybe you would hope for. I think if you watch the team week in, week out, or just even see the uh, the highlights um, from his assists and his goals, you'll find him in a position where he really shouldn't be shooting, where he's got two or three yards from the, uh, the end line uh, in the opposing box, and he doesn't have an angle, and he'll be shooting through usually a defender and a keeper, so he's trying to play that. That little uh, either low cross or or a ball across the six for either Enavoltson or Seaton to be there to slot home. So I think it's yeah. pretty fair that most of his success is going to come from those runs, and, and probably we could expect no, oh, definitely more definitely. Than that and maybe a Sicily is his bigger impact. All right, let's move on. Um, okay. <laughs> next, we're going to talk about a player that uh, was on loan with or was one of our loanees came over from. New England Revolution of MLS uh, played quite a bit early on in the season, showed some flashes of brilliance, and I think some of those flashes of brilliance early on in the season led to him uh, being called up to New England for a good part of the later part or later stages of the season. Didn't get much playing time in New England, but the fact that he was you know asked to be over there, they sort of saw something they liked while he was with Orange County. Um, unfortunately for him. Uh, New England chose not to keep him uh, after the season ended. So he's, you know, looking for a team showed enough flashes of brilliance where I think he's going to get some sort of shot in MLS still a young player. Um, but you know, fingers crossed. There's always hope that if he can't find an MLS squad, you know, he had a pretty successful run with orange County. Uh, he played in the regular season, played uh, 1,187 minutes with orange County, Scored two goals, had four assists, um, had three yellow cards during his time with us. And he also played in the Open Cup. He actually started and played a full match in the Open Cup and got a goal uh, in the Open Cup. Um, did, did did he get that with us or did he get that with New England? I don't know. No, he actually got called up to uh, New England for that. Okay, so he didn't yeah. get uh, – but he got a goal in the Cup, which was awesome, even though it was for New England. So didn't play with us for the Open Cup. Um Sorry for that, folks. I'm the side I'm looking on doesn't break it down well enough for me on that. Uh, but still, um, a young player um, on loan in Orange County. Uh, his team is all the way across the continent, or not the continent? Oh yeah, the continent, uh, the country. Um, Mark Segbers. I, I feel like, I mean, he was one of those players you didn't really know what to expect out of him when he's coming in as a loney on your team, and and what he did for orange county uh, i i'm pleasantly surprised and pleased with what he did but probably one of the reasons why a player like Nensel Silva was expendable midseason was because of what segbers was able to do when he got his chances um dylan what are your thoughts i think that's a pretty pretty fair assessment of of his season um i think he's got pretty similar stats in that comparing him to Darwin Jones um, or, or DJ as you've been calling him this episode, but um, 
yeah, I think they're both strong players. Um, I'm confused as to why the Revs called him up. Um, I don't think they played him all that much. And they really had nothing going for them anyway, so they probably should have been playing their youth and testing those guys at an MLS level. At the same time, I can see why they didn't um, not try to kill those guys' confidence playing for a team that's getting rolled over every week. But uh, for us, he was, I mean, he was strong. Um, I don't think we we really got to see the full picture because he got called back by uh, by the Revs. But I think, I mean, for the level that Orange County is at, he was a he was a good player. Again, nothing. You know, if you're playing about 1,200 minutes, uh, you're not going to be one of the standout players. You'll be seeing closer to 2,500 minutes if you're at the top end of the of the club. But um, far more than that guy that's just there to develop for the future or uh, pick up some minutes here and there as a as a backup player. I think he's a he's a quality USL uh, first team level right now. He's he's young. He's only 22. Uh, so. You know, he's got a lot of time in front of him, and I'd be curious to see how he develops. I think he'd be a solid pickup for Orange County, um, even if he is really similar in his playing style and his um, talent level to Darwin Jones. He's got a, a few years more to develop, so we could see something better out of him if they did if they did resign him. But mm-hmm. overall, he had a pretty, pretty decent season, I think. Um, I would have to give him a B, just as I did with Darwin Jones. Um, again, just about the same stats, really. And... Uh, just about the same impact as well. So just to sort of uh, piggyback or, or not piggyback, but go back to what you mentioned with him in at New England and getting limited playing time. He did play the open cup match with them uh, which, in which he scored a goal, played the full 90 minutes. But other than that, he played uh, appeared in one other match, uh, an MLS match and played 44 minutes in that match. So a little confusing there um, when he was actually getting a lot of playing time with Orange County. So if you're in New England, maybe... I don't know. It's one of those games. And I, I, the one thing with him is I'd love to have him back in Orange County, but I think he's one of those players that's young enough that a MLS team will probably be willing to take a chance on him and bring him in and, you know, hopefully hit a home run on a finding a diamond in the rough there with a player that uh, hasn't got much of a chance yet in, in MLS that's young enough that can still develop. And, you know, like you said, if, if you were to bring him back, we, we have, uh, Darwin Jones coming back. If you bring Segbers back, they're very similar in style, in play, in positioning. Um, so if you're bringing Segbers back, he might come in knowing that he's probably going to play that secondary role or or be the one that comes in and rotates with Darwin Jones getting the first team minutes and, and Segbers coming in when uh, DJ needs a little bit of rest there. So, yeah, um, A guy of his quality, I don't think really necessarily, and especially at 22, doesn't really benefit from being a backup player. I think we saw him at his best when he was playing week in, week out, gelling with the team and everything, um, and getting confidence from his performances. So I think yeah, relying on him as a sub with a guy that's similar in, in play style um, and, and size and uh, speed and strength and everything um, isn't necessarily the best option. Um, so I'd be curious to see what happens. Uh, I don't know if he is MLS quality yet. Um, but I mean, I'm sure certainly that that higher level will aid his development. He would be one of those players that'd be good if you're an MLS team to bring in knowing that you're going to try and develop him and maybe you'll loan him down to USL. So he gets some more playing time, sort of like what new England did with him this past season. 
And then who knows, like I said, maybe you find someone that, uh, you know, again, he's 22. He's, he's going to develop. He's going to get better. Uh, it's not until you get to your mid-20s where you start seeing, okay, this is sort of what you have now. It's at that age, sort of where uh, Darwin Jones is, that you know what you got out of Darwin Jones. That's, he is what he's going to be. He may get slightly better, but he's basically what he, you're going to see out there. Whereas with Mark Sebbers at 22, he still has a little bit more growth in him. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's probably not going to, I mean, demand high wages. So it's just something where uh, an MLS team probably is going to be willing to take a risk on him. Uh, which, again, I'd love to have him back in Orange County. He was a great presence out there. But I want what's best for him as well. So yeah. go get um, yourself some playing minutes, Mark. <laughs> I'm going to go because, like you said, and I agree with you, is sort of, you know, that similar, you know, impact of what Darwin Jones had for the team. Uh, but because he his stats were slightly better than Darwin Jones and because he came in with sort of less experience, you sort of had less idea of what he was going to bring and he was able to bring what he brought. I'm going to give him this is not a real type of grade, basically, but I'm going to give him a B plus plus. Um, not quite good enough for me to get into the A's, but definitely has to be a little bit better than what Darwin Jones was. It's a B-plus and a gold star. There we go. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Um, our next one's going to be Awusu Ansa Contour. Um, Dylan, I'll let you start off with this one. All right. Um, I believe towards the end of the season, he actually lost some time due to an injury. Um, that being said, that's a, I guess on my part, I think there was a few games he didn't dress for. Um, he seemed to generally have pretty good games. The only game that I think he had a, a pretty poor game was the first half against uh, Timbers here in Orange County. Um, that being said, so did the rest of the team. So I think it's a little unfair to, to push all that blame uh, onto him there. But, I mean, it's another similar situation to the last two we talked about. Pretty young guy, pretty solid at this level. Um Pretty solid defensively for us. Had a, you know, just about uh, 75% tackle success rate. Won uh, two thirds of his duels. That's that's what you're looking for out of a out of an outside back. And then getting forward, um, not too much uh, <laughs> to write home about. Really, uh, he had one shot uh, that did not reach the target, but decent passing, um, almost 75% passing, and uh, a good amount of that was was in the uh, opposing half. So um, obviously with the, I'm going to say probable loss of Kevin Alston, I'm sure he'll end up at an MLS team. Um, a guy at that level uh, is, is hard to compete with, and, and I can definitely understand why he lost his place, even if he wasn't injured. Um, but moving forward, I think he probably learned a good amount from Alston, and uh, I think much like Joe Miko, he's got some versatility into him. So... He can kind of play on those outside positions wherever we need him to. And, uh, you know, like I said, like the last, I think basically like most of the people we're going to cover this week, um, not necessarily, not necessarily a leading USL player, but a good week in week out quality. And that's the kind of stuff that this team needs. Um, guys are going to be generally a little bit more quiet, keep their heads down and, and, uh, gel nicely with the team so that the, the big stars of like Aiden Quinn and, and Michael Seaton and the the um, Inavultsons of the team can can really shine. Um, so I'm gonna have to give him a B. Uh, don't think we saw really enough of him to warrant anything higher than that. But I also think that what he did show us was good. 
and uh, that he's a good pickup for this for this next season as well. No, it's definitely good to have him returning. Um, I forgot to just sort of go over his stats before I, I gave you the uh, the microphone there. So uh, he did appear in 16 matches for Orange County. He had um, played in 1,226 minutes, had two yellow cards and one assist on the season for Orange County. Um, yeah, you know, part of um, when I'm looking at just sort of the games he played, he played quite a bit, uh, you know, in the early part of the season. And then, yeah, the, the last bit of the season he really didn't play much um he did make the squad for the um western conference final against phoenix but didn't get on uh didn't get on the field didn't get to play um yeah i i have to agree with you he was a solid defensive player for us didn't do anything to say wow that guy's amazing didn't do anything though also to say you know hey get that guy out of uh, out of off the field or get him out of there um just a solid player back there um I think part of his maybe loss or limit of, of playing time, uh, especially towards the end of the season, was maybe uh, the emergence of uh, Joe Amico sort of solidifying that left um, defensive back position. Uh, and then also with Kevin Alston um, solidifying the right side, sort of A, gave the team a little bit of stability back there. And, and really, I mean, if that's your position and, and there's two players that have sort of taken hold of that position, it's not much you can do about that other than just keep, keep working, keep trying. Um, I would have to, He's strong. yeah, no, no. I mean, he was, he was, when he was on the pitch, uh, you know, I liked what I saw. It there was nothing about him that I said, I don't really want this guy playing. I don't want him on the team. It's just, he didn't do anything that wowed you, but he also just didn't do anything that made you mad. Um, with that said, I'm going to give him a a B. I'll agree with you on that one. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, yeah. I mean, he is an, he's a defender, so I don't think you generally want your defenders going, making those big, uh, wowing uh, appearances. But I mean, he's a strong. I mean, if you look uh, even in his his uh, press photo, good God, this guy is just <laughs> absolutely jacked. And they they posted some photos of him over the throughout the season and. I mean, he is a big, uh, big physical player. I mean, he's the same height as I am, but he's probably got 10 pounds on me. And uh, <laughs> that's definitely all, all muscle. Um, so I think in, in some against a bigger team, uh, that might be his, his shining against uh, some big out, uh, out wide players, some wingers. Um, oh, definitely. I'm excited to see what... what Ah, I can't stop thinking. They should have waited. Now I can't stop thinking about how good these guys are going to be next year. It's it's and the fact that they're going to be returning with the same coaching staff, which that makes a big difference too. When you're not having to learn a whole new playing style, you already know what what uh, the coach expects out of you. You already know what the game plan is going to be. So now you can go into the off season and into the preseason, having trained for that type of style and that type of play that's going to be spe- expected out of you. So that's awesome. Uh, and that's why, you know, seeing some of these names and these these players we're talking about, I mean, it's just, it's it's exciting. Um, let's move on. The next one we're going to talk about is a player that played his final season uh, in, in professional soccer as a player. Um, the team celebrated, you know, his, his final regular season match. Uh, you know, I think the team would have hoped to make it to the finals in his final season, which would have been an awesome story. But of course, we're talking about Richard Chaplow here. Richard Chaplow, uh, in the regular season, he played in 23 matches, 
or no, I'm sorry. He played in 21 matches. Um, let's see. What did, what did he do for us? 21 matches. He scored two goals, one assist, um, was very, um, disciplined on defense. Uh, didn't get any red or yellow cards. It looks like, and played just over a thousand minutes in the regular season. He also played in all three matches in the playoffs, played 227 minutes there. Um, he did get a yellow card in the playoffs, uh, no goals, no assists there. Oh, and he also uh, was out there for eight minutes in the Open Cup, came in as a late sub in that match. Um, Richard Chapel, I mean, it, it's hard to maybe grade him just on the season just because of what we know, what he, what impact he's had with this, this team over the last few seasons. Um, but if we can try and focus just on this season, uh, I guess the, the headline for this season probably is just the, uh, having to deal with some injuries, limited his ability to be out on the, on the pitch. I, I think we heard that from him when we spoken to him uh, on the show, he was the player from orange County that joined us not once, but twice for the show. And, um, I think he even admitted that it was disappointing for him, um, not to be able to be out there as much as he wanted to be again, because of some of the injuries, part of it also probably had to do with the emergence of some of the other midfielders that the team saw with Aiden Quinn, Christian Duke, uh, having some solid seasons as well. But, um, yeah, the, the injuries probably put a little bit of a damper on his season, I guess we could say, uh, what are your thoughts, Dylan? I think that's pretty fair. Um, and I do basically want to say that he may have scored two goals, but uh, I think it's only really fair to give him one as one of those goals. Uh, was it one of them a as, goal or something? Yeah, it's basically Cronali heading it into uh, Chaplow as he's trying to get out of the way and hey. bouncing off of his butt, uh, which is actually listed as an other goal on the USL website, um, oh, okay. which I think is pretty fair because that's definitely not his uh, foot, either of his feet or his head. Um but you got to agree, uh, he lost a lot of time to injury uh, at the beginning of the season. And I was kind of curious if they just signed him to be that veteran influence, if he was going to see the pitch at all. Um, and if if it was just kind of a, uh, a bit of a thank you to him for the last two seasons. But no, I think the Chapla we saw at the end of the year was a fit, uh, strong, deserving um, player. I mean, he really deserve to be out there and, and as the playoffs rolled up same with your um held a pretty big importance to keeping the team calm and uh using that experience that i think is his 16 pro seasons to to keep everyone uh in check and uh moving forward um his stats were were actually pretty good despite playing a pretty abbreviated season um i think he played a little bit further back than he used to in his uh his career but i mean fit good leader i mean that's basically what you're looking for out of a out of a captain even if he's not uh playing as much as you'd hope um glad he got to play his final few seasons here um you know always always good to talk to on the media side of things uh seemed like everyone really got along with him and and uh he was always chatting with people on the sideline and and chatting with uh brayden um if he got subbed off or, or before he was coming on. So I know we talked a lot about wanting to be a coach in the future, and I think he'll probably make a, a pretty good coach. Um, not necessarily ever one, of our, ever one of our star players, but just that guy that's going to show up and do his job and, and try and leave things better than 
how he found him. Um, I think that's pretty true what he did with his club. Uh, you know, I got to give him probably a B plus on this one. Um, despite the abbreviated season, uh, just his impact when he came back and as he started playing from the 70 minutes to the, to I think a couple full games there. Um, still, still a quality player. Yeah. Yeah. He, his presence on the team was definitely felt. Um, I think, you know, speaking with uh, the coaching staff uh, towards the end of the season there, when we were sort of figuring out, uh, you know, we saw these, the the lineups that we saw with more of these experienced players going on, the coaching staff sort of mentioned, like they were building this team for the playoffs. So they had this vision. And I think when, when Richard went down with some, with the injury early on in the season, I think they looked at it as, okay, we need to manage his minutes. And then towards the end of the season, we'll slowly get him ramped up to play, bigger role, more minutes. Uh, and that's what we sort of saw towards the end of the season. You saw him uh, more likely than not into the starting lineup, getting longer playing time out there. And then also just in the playoffs. I mean, he started all three matches in the playoffs uh, and, you know, played some, some decent amount of minutes out there uh, in what's available for him. Uh, I agree. He, he, for what time he had out in the field, he, uh, on the pitch, he did a great job for the team. Um, he was a, a steady influence for what you had out there. And just that experience played a big part of it. Uh, I, you know, just the, the injuries impacted his season more than even he would have liked, more than the fans would have liked, and more than the team would have liked. Uh, I'm going to base my grade based on everything, and I'm going to include, you know, the the fact that he did have limited minutes from the injuries, and I'm going to give him a B- minus on the season. But again, that's mostly because um, due to injuries, he didn't get to make the impact that maybe – uh, himself, the team, and the fans would have hoped for from him for the season. So, all right. All right, so we talked about Rich Chaplow, former EPL player. We're going to go to another former EPL player. This one joined us midseason uh, as a big defensive signing with experience for this team. And when I say big, not just because, you know, he's an experienced player, but he was literally a big player out there. Um, and that's Josh Hoyveld. Uh, Yosha Hoyveld, he uh, joined the season mid somewhere in the or in the summer transfer window. Came over from the Eredivisie, uh, where June. he what was that? In June. In June, yeah, in the summer transfer window. Uh, so he came on over as sort of I I guess at the time he was more of the marquee signing than any of the other signings we brought in mid season. Um, we've talked about him numerous times throughout the season on the podcast. Uh, some good, some not so good. Um, I mean, I don't want to go too much into it, but there was quite a few scenarios where I know myself and I believe Dylan, you too, we weren't the happiest with him as a player on the team. Uh, but once we got towards the, the, the final stretch of the season in the playoffs, he actually was a solid player out there for this team. Uh, when story, I guess when you say when the games mattered, uh, when it was, you know, win or go home type, uh, type of scenario. But there were quite a bit of mistakes throughout the season that I can I can't tell you exactly who they were playing or exactly the outcome, but I can just picture some of them. And we even sort of joked about it throughout the the season on our podcast. You know, he didn't you you could always chalk one big error from him when he was out there in the match. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dylan? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, started joking around, calling it being Yosht. Um and that was really the tale of the beginning of his his tenure with Orange County. He had a pretty solid first game against Los Dos up in Carson. Uh, and then I think up against a more quality uh, team and then 
if he was just having an off day, I'm not sure if it was just the the demands of playing week in week out. He looked shaky and, as you said, basically always prone to one big mistake that seemed to punish us. But as the season wore on um, and the going got tougher, I think he really kind of clamped down on those issues. Um, a guy of his experience level is probably just uh, as he gets those game minutes and and gets match fit probably sorting out those errors, probably going over um, and, and knows that his place isn't, isn't cemented if he's making those errors, um, but seemed to gel along well with the team um, despite those mistakes. And it seemed like uh, you know, his, his fellow defensemen trusted him. Um, Andre seemed like he still trusted him despite I can think of two or three goals uh, in one match that were basically results of the Yoshalibold mistakes. Um, but the rest of the year, I mean, he had that amazing, um, I think it was your favorite assist of the year um, to Michael Seaton up in Colorado Springs in the second minute, which proved to be the only goal of that game. Should have um, been the should have been the winner for assist of the year, by the way. But wow, I'm not I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm surprised it's not a Walker Hume. <laughs> I mean, but uh, I'm not sure he actually had any assists. Um, but I think. What Yosh did was actually, uh, as he got settled in, pretty needed and pretty strong for this team. It wasn't, it wasn't what I'd hoped when he'd signed, um, but it, it was. I don't know. It was what it was, I guess, in in a way. Um, and and he proved a pretty valuable substitute in games that he didn't start when we were just trying to grind out a. a tight victory um he seemed really oddly eager to come on for 15 minutes and just try and wreak some havoc uh in the midfield trying to close dudes down on their own half lines and that was fun to watch and he seemed like he was really enjoying himself um and i think he really started to enjoy himself more as that season went on and he uh he got his head in the game i guess um literally one time scoring a, a header um but yeah he is our big you know, he's your, uh, your typical center back. He's just huge, super wide. I remember the first time I interviewed him, I was just, this guy is wider than I am. His whole body is just wider than I am. Uh, it was terrifying talking to him because of how big he was. I felt like I was staring at the ceiling. Um, but then once you actually talk to him, he's actually a pretty cool guy. I mean. Yeah, he's so nice. He's, uh, <laughs> he's a little gentle giant. Um, but yeah, I mean, a shorter season because he showed up in June um, and it was shaky through the summer, but as the late summer uh, shifted into fall, I think he really stepped it up when it mattered, um, kept that back line really calm. And, uh, you know, those last, uh, I'm going to say last month, uh, month and a half, nothing really came down onto him. Um, and I think his experience really helped there. Uh, I got to give him a C plus just because of a lot of dropped points in the middle of the summer. Um, and I don't want to weigh too, too greatly his contribution in the playoffs, but that was a, I think a big aspect of us continuing on to the, the conference final. So Dylan uh, drops the first C grade of the evening on Josh Hoyveld. It's like um, a 79.3. It's not quite enough to get rounded. <laughs> Your professor's like, well, you should have done one more assignment. I guess so. Huh? One less yellow card. One, <laughs> one more marking on a corner, you know? You got to just grade him on a curve then and give him that B minus on the curve. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, we had some great performers. So maybe the curve wouldn't help really help him out. 
looking at Josh Hoyvelt's season, if his performance would have stayed steady of what we experienced the first like 10 or so matches that he was with the club, uh, I would have had to probably agree with you or maybe even given him just maybe a C or even a C minus. You know, when you look at what he did down the final stretch and in the playoffs, he probably earned something close to like a B plus or so. Uh, In the end, I'm going to look at all of it in the whole and I'm going to say I'm giving him a B minus, uh, a, a lower B minus. So I think we're very similar where we were uh, just, uh, you know, we're, we're slightly off by a few percentage points. And I'm realizing when we started talking about Hoyville, I didn't even read off the stats uh, on this as well. So really quick, let's just go over his stats and then we can move on to our next player. Uh, he did play in 14 matches for Orange County in the regular season, scored a goal, had an assist, three yellow cards. Uh, luckily no red cards in that time, which actually sort of shocks me because uh, I was just thinking back, I'm like, he probably picked up a red card somewhere, but I guess he didn't. He got uh, lucky there. <laughs> there were definitely, there was one challenge I can imagine where he cut a guy down. I know, yes. Uh, I, I know no reason. that's probably why I was surprised by it because I'm like, I remember something where he did something to deserve a red card, but maybe he just, yeah, uh, lucked out. Uh, he, got, he, he had the he had the restrep, restrepo luck, I guess is what we can call it. Um... Played just over a thousand minutes in the regular season. Then in the playoffs, he did play in all three matches and did play in the complete full three matches in the playoffs, which shows the faith that the coaching staff had in him. Uh, and as fans, you could see it in the playoffs. He was a different player than we saw in the early part of the his tenure with the club. Um, let's move on for for matters of time, because when we first sort of planned out what we we're going to do, we actually planned out discussing quite a few more players, but. I want to limit the amount of time we're doing because I don't want to have a three hour long podcast. Dylan has to go write a paper. Uh, I don't, I know you guys listening don't want to hear our voices for three full hours. Uh, so we're going to actually do hear my voice for three full hours. <laughs> we're going to do one last player on this and that's going to be uh, Thomas Jule Nelson. And then we'll get to more players in the next episode. Uh, Thomas Jule Nelson. Um, he was with us since the beginning of the season. Let's see what his stats show. He played in 17 matches in the USL, had actually one goal with the team, had three yellow cards, played 1,441 minutes for Orange County. He also did um, appear on the, or actually he did play in the US Open Cup match. He played the full match there, but didn't make any kind of impact uh, scoring or discipline-wise at all. Uh, I think towards the end of the season, dealt a little bit more with some injuries, didn't get as much playing time. Also, when you got down that home stretch towards the end of the season and in the playoffs, so that limited the opportunities that uh, Jewel Nelson had. Um, he was he was decent out there. I would I would compare him from the the guys that we've talked about this evening, uh, someone like a Owasa Ansu Contour, like just one of those players that was solid back there when he was on the pitch. Didn't do anything to sort of wow you, but also didn't do anything to really upset you. Uh, he just, I guess, sort of suffered on this team from a very deep center defensive um, roster, cent- uh, center defensive mid roster when you had players like uh, Yoshoi Veld, uh, uh, Alex Cronali, uh, Walker Hume, Thomas Jule Nilsson. I mean, that's four players that were probably deserving of playing time, but you only have two spots for the game. Uh, to give. Um, that was probably his biggest um, or the biggest reason why we didn't see more of him and, and also some injury issues that we I think he had throughout the season. But again, um, nothing spectacular, nothing really like make you say get him off the, the pitch. Just sort of a solid performer when he did have his opportunities. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, didn't see him too much because that late season injury, but 
Uh, he and Walker Hume, when given that chance up in Fresno, had an amazing game together. And, uh, I mean, I know Walker got named to Team of the Week for that one, but I think um, Jewel Nielsen also could have been named to the Team of the Week. Um, he was a, actually a pretty good player for us. Um, I think he deserved more playing time than he uh, received before his injury and then afterwards. Of course, it's going to be hard and um, not really the place for you to come back from an injury when you're battling battling out 90-minute grudge matches in the uh, in the playoffs. So. Um, man, it's kind of sucks. I was, I was expecting a little bit more out of him necessarily, but when you get injured, um, not too much you can do. Uh, I'd say he's probably in his prime as a, as a defender. I'd say it's another quality USL, uh, central defender, um, or another solid, uh, USL level, um, player. Um, I'd be happy to see him back next year. I, I would, I would have to say I'd, I'd probably give him a, about a B. Um, nothing to stand out there. Um, pretty decent stats all around defensively and, and getting forward a little bit, um, playing it off to our more creative players moving forward. But, you know, anytime someone doesn't necessarily have a, a full season um, or a, a huge impact that we can't necessarily say, oh, you know, week in, week out, he, he saved us. Um, don't think it's too fair to give him something too high. So I'm going to have to go with a, a straight B on this one. Um, you know, I'm going to come out and say I hope we see him next year as well. So I'm going to agree with you. This I think this is the only time we're actually agreeing on the grade. Um, I'm going to give him a B as well. Um, again, sort of similar to what you said, just because uh, he was just solid back there uh, for the for the team. I agree with you too as well. I'd love to see him back. Uh, he's right there in his prime. Uh, as as an athlete and as of right now the only central mid defensive player we have is walker hume on the roster so of course we're going to need more of that i don't think we're going to see alex Cornelli back i think he's gonna finally get his shot with columbus um and hoyville you could potentially see back but you're going to get someone that's what 36 years old back i mean you can't really expect much out of a player that if you were to get him back i'm not saying i know anything about him uh, i'm just saying that's an option there yeah, it'd be a big um, ass to have a 36-year-old play 34 <laughs> matches plus the playoffs. I mean, I, I would say this. I would, <laughs> I would say this is a fan. Hume and Jules uh, Nelson, not a bad center defensive pairing there to have uh, from what we saw from them in their limited playing time in the season. Uh, you know, you 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 could do a lot worse than those two players back there, uh, and so yeah, uh, I, I agree with you on the grade and pretty much all the reasoning behind it. So. All right, so there we go. We talked about uh, Darwin Jones. Dylan gave him a B. I gave him a B plus. Mark Segbers. Dylan gave him a B. I gave him a B plus plus. Uh, Osa Ansa Contour. Dylan gave him a B. I gave him a. I, I guess we agreed on that one too because I I'm looking at my notes. I think I gave him a B as well. So we did have another agreement there. Um, Richard Chaplo. Dylan gave a B plus. I gave a B minus. Yoshoyville. Dylan gave a C plus. I gave a B minus. Thomas Yule Nielsen. We both gave a B. So Dylan gave the only C of the night to Yoshoyville. Um, Yosh, if you want, text me. I'll give you Dylan's it's address. A C plus. It's a C plus. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, it's let's do this. <laughs> like I said, we'll get into more grades on our next episode. We're probably going to have probably a couple more episodes of grades. Uh, we'll get into those. I mean, this gives us an opportunity to talk more about Orange County Soccer Club for you guys. And who knows, between now and, and all that, we're going to probably get more roster information. 
the new uh, the new calendar is coming out here in a few weeks. So it's definitely getting closer to where we're going to start seeing um, some finalization of rosters. I know they're going to have some um, tryouts in January for those interested in joining uh, Orange County. Um, let's talk about this because uh, there was some crazy news that came out, just USL news that came out, again, like we said on Wednesday, with uh, Ottawa Fury. Uh, is it was it CONCACAF or what? Who is it that is the governing yeah, body? It's CONCACAF, yeah. CONCACAF. Uh, they basically told Ottawa Fury, we're not going to give you sanctioning for jo- or playing in the 19 season. Uh, the reasoning behind it is, I guess, Ottawa Fury was getting, giving like, given an ex- uh, an exception to play in USL, which is a, U- a US based league because there was no first division in Canada. Canada is starting up the Canadian Premier League for next season. And CONCACAF basically said, hey, if you want to play soccer, that's where you should have been playing and not in the USL. We're not giving you that, uh, I guess, free pass exemption, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, it's just the early stages of this whole craziness. And I know there was people on Twitter talking about it. I know for the Beautiful Game Network, which our podcast is a part of, uh, we have our Slack channel and people were talking about that, just sort of trying to figure out what what's this going to mean? Is this going to last? Is this going to stand? Or what's going to happen? Uh, I know, Dylan, you had some thoughts on this. Uh, what do you, you let our listeners know what your thoughts are on sort of what's going on with this? Basically, I, I see it as probably the CPL pressuring CONCACAF into not letting the Fury play in the USL. Um, the Fury's owners did turn down the opportunity to play in the CPL in favor of the more stable USL. Um, and there's no denying that this league is becoming more stable. Though I'd say even the last two years, it's made leaps and leaps and bounds. Um, but it doesn't really make any sense for the Fury not being allowed to play um, in an American-based league when the Whitecaps uh, impact the Montreal and uh, Toronto also play in an American-based league in the MLS. Um, and then you've also got uh, Toronto 2 or 2 Toronto um, playing in USL League 1. It, you either have to have all of them go, and you're going to have Toronto just absolutely destroy that league um, with Michael Bradley and, uh, what is it, Giovanni Dovinco? Uh, well, I don't even know his name. Giovinco. Thank you. Dos Santos? No? Sebastian Giovinco. That's the... <laughs> That's the Galaxy player. Uh, so obviously, I don't know anything about the MLS. The little tiny guy that's really fast. Yeah. He's like 5'7", <laughs> something like that. Um, but you basically either have to have all those teams go and have um, you know, some lopsided, top-heavy league, or you let them decide. Um, and I think you have to have them decide because there aren't any motions against any of the aforementioned teams not letting them play in the MLS or in USL League One. Um, Canadian Premier League does say that they want a, a club-based structure, so they, they don't need this. Um, it really doesn't make any sense either um, to force a team to be in a league um, when you want it to be club-based. Um, maybe if they determine to have something worthwhile um, and and actually stable but as for now this this could go the route of the ns uh, nasl and go south within a year um i mean canada is just as big as as the us um and they've they've got a bigger spread of teams um 
where they've got the Halifax Wanderers way out there east of Maine. Um, and then they've got Pacific FC, which I think is going to be playing in uh, Victoria, which is basically just west of Vancouver. Um, so, yeah, basically I think this is a, a complete joke on behalf of CONCACAF and the CPL, and I think um, that's basically what you should expect out of North American soccer management um, and federations. But I think uh, once... Once the Fury and supposedly the USL uh, take this out to court and get some lawyers involved to fight this, uh, that it'll probably end pretty quickly. Uh, it's just a shame that they've got to spend time and effort and uh, legal fees on on fighting this to stay in a, I'm going to go out and say, a much better league. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, the CPL hey, hasn't had any games, so we can't say that. But I think the USL kind of has a good idea of what they're doing, having existed for this long and becoming more and more stable and legitimate uh, each year and uh, throwing that all away in favor of an unproven league just, it seems well, pretty that, stupid. That, that, that's the sad part of it, is, is they're going to have to spend all this money now to try and fight this uh, legally, and who knows if it can get resolved in time for the 2019 season, which that is a big financial detriment to a team that already has, I believe I was looking it up, they have like 13 players on under contract already for next season, I, I believe, and, and Basically, just to let everyone know, I, I, the information I got on this was from the NBC Sports website. So NBC Sports, thank you for providing some information to me on this. But I believe uh, the information was like they've, they've sold like 1,500 season seats for now a team that the, these fans are expecting them to play in the USL, which uh, nothing against Canadian Premier League, but the, the expectations is that the USL is going to be a more competitive league. There's going to be better quality players in it. Uh, so when you're selling your fans on that and they're buying the tickets, now you have to say, oh, by the way, now we're going to have to potentially play in the Canadian Premier League. Rumor has it that schedules have already started, like first rounds of schedules have already sort of been released. So it's going to have this impact on not just the USL, but on the Canadian Premier League. What do we need to do? We don't know where this team's going to be. And if this gets dragged out in court, again, it's potentially now you have this team that's a pretty solid team that now is being told is going to have to maybe sit out for a season, uh, which can be a detriment to a team uh, like this. Um, I, I think the the bigger concern is uh, that a lot of people have is why Ottawa, why is Toronto, Toronto two going to be allowed to play in league one? Why is Toronto, Vancouver and Montreal allowed to play in MLS? If this, if this whole exception is, you got to play in the American League because there was no first division in Canada. Well, now there's a first division in Canada, so force all the Canadian teams up there if you're really going to be this type of, um, I guess, governing body. Uh, you know, the big conflict now is people are talking about, well, the guy that made this decision for CONCACAF, he basically was one of the, the guys that was spearheading the whole Canadian Premier League movement. So that's sort of a conflict of interest going on there. There's just so much stuff going on here that's weird. And I get it, Dylan, and, and I know you're not alone on this, thinking that, you know, CONCACAF doesn't really have a leg to stand on this, that Ottawa should easily be able to fight this, but... They don't the, even have the club's best interests. I mean, honestly, they're... They're, they're going to make more money in the USL it. than they will in the Canadian Premier League for the first season. If you look at the list of the teams that are playing in uh, the Canadian Premier League... I, you said there's some team in Halifax. I mean, none of these teams, I don't think any soccer fan outside of those cities probably even know what these teams are. 
uh, even, you know, and, and people are gonna say, well, that's a U.S. bias against Canadian, you know, sports stuff. Hey, I know a little bit about, you know, the Canadian, I know there's like a Canadian football league. I've heard of some, some teams out there like the Toronto Argonauts or something like that. I mean, I don't know anything about those teams, but I've at least heard of them. I haven't heard of one single one of the Canadian premier league, you know, starting, you know, first, I think it's seven teams that are are there for the first season or whatever it is. I've never heard of any of those teams. Um, it, it's, it's sad. Like you said, I, it, it doesn't seem like concrete have has any, doesn't have the team's best interest. They're just sort of saying, and, and again, this is where this whole conspiracy theory is going to jump in is it's this guy that basically was one of the guys that said, we need a Canadian premier league. That's making the decision for CONCACAF saying, Hey, Ottawa, tough luck. You're not going to get to play in USL. And I mean, why them? Why again? Why not the other teams? Uh, it, it just seems fishy to me. Yeah, I mean, and this speaks basically of all governing bodies is that they don't actually serve the clubs uh, any any real purpose. Um, they essentially exist to make money. I mean, uh, soccer uh, or football, because we are talking about Canadians here, um, is a money making venture um and you know as as the head of a as a governing body of the head of a governor body your job is to make sure as much money gets into that body as possible um not only to keep your own job but to uh develop it a little bit more and and get more out of it as it continues so i mean yeah there's the conflict of interest he used to be the president of the uh canadian soccer association um and now he's the president of concacaf but I mean, it's a joke, and I'm glad here that the teams um, and that the USL, uh, at least what they said earlier, are planning to kind of stand up to that and say, oh, this isn't what we, um, this isn't at all what we want, and we don't think it's going to be good for the business. And uh, basically, I think it's going to come down to either Ottawa is going to stay, um, or we are going to see uh, all of those Canadian teams have to play um, in the CPL. I think that's the only fair and obviously uh, yeah. legitimate way that that could even stand. So uh, we'll see you in 2019. In March, <laughs> uh, Ottawa. I, I believe in you. You guys are like the best run team uh, in Ottawa. Cause the Suns are not. <laughs> um, and, and again, this, uh, I, I got my information. Off. I know there's a bunch of sites you can go to, to find out what's going on with this NBC sports. Uh, Nicholas Mendola, I believe is how you say his name. He posted an article on there and he sort of talks about it like this, this, this has the potential to open up this big can of worms because now you have people talking about, well, if you're going to do this to Ottawa, you have to do it to everyone. Um, he also sort of throws out the idea that maybe this is just uh, CONCACAF and the CPL's way of strong arming Ottawa. Uh, they're going to, they're doing this. They're going to eventually let Ottawa play in the USL, but basically with some sort of, you know, handshake agreement that Ottawa is going to join CPL in 2020. Uh, which is, you know, possible. That's why this is all going on. It also just sort of brings up, you know, it's not like this is unusual for soccer around the world. You have teams all over, you know, you have teams in the Premier League that are from Wales that play in the Premier League, even though they are based in Wales. Uh, you know, what is it? Oh. Cardiff City, uh, Swansea uh, City. They don't and... play in the... <laughs> What's that? There's more in the EFL now than there are in the Prem. Just well, yeah, so, okay, yeah, they don't, yeah, they don't so play in the Premier League, yeah. but playing in the, yeah, the EFL or the 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 FA, you know, structure, structure. or pyramid or whatever, 
Um, and then you have like Newport County, he mentions on there, they play in like League Two, which is the fourth tier of English soccer. They're from Wales, but they still play in the English soccer league system. Um, you have Monaco that plays in the French system. Uh, you can even talk about, you know, there's, and you go Barcelona. You, I mean, they're technically uh, not a Spanish team. I guess, uh, yeah. Cause basically, those of... Welsh teams do play in, in the EFL because there was no Welsh structure. Um, and so we see that now Ottawa wants to play in the USL because there's essentially no Canadian structure and there is one now, it's, but it's not developed. Thing, and this is the same thing that happened a hundred years ago. So at least there's in some ways a, a legal precedent um, where I'm sure Ottawa will say, well, look at, look at these Welsh teams and look what they're doing. Uh, I would say they'll probably get in the USL. And if not, I'm sure they'll file an appeal. And, and ultimately you look, you look at it, right? So like, Basketball. There is a Canadian Basketball League. For those who are unaware, and I know this is a soccer podcast, there's a Canadian Basketball League, yet there's a Canadian basketball team that plays in the NBA. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where you do something like this, and it's just, it's it's weird. It's crazy. Um, I'm, it, it, I, I'm probably, there's probably no Ottawa Fury fans that listen to our podcast on a regular basis, but if you are listening to our episode for this one, uh, maybe because I tagged Ottawa Fury on this or I posted that we're going to talk about this and we have some pretty um, we, we have some views on this and we don't agree with what's going on pretty much. I, it sounds like from Dylan and myself, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm behind Ottawa. I think Ottawa should be able to play in the USL. The USL is a proven league. Uh, Ottawa's a good franchise and you know, they, they deserve to be able to play in the league that they feel is going to be the best for them. I mean, I get it. Canadians want to be able to have whatever team, you know, all as many good teams as you can get to join that premier league that they're building, but it's an unknown. And if Ottawa has it goes there or is forced to go there and the league doesn't do well, or it's there, but it's just not that quality, then you're, you're impacting their fans. The fans now have subpar quality of soccer to cheer for, which sucks. Yeah, it's a regression for the club and for the fans and, and for the league in general. So, so, um, Ottawa, yeah, uh, North American soccer, <laughs> Ottawa, the orange and black soccer cast has your back. We think you guys should be allowed to be in the USL, even though we never face you guys. You're the Eastern conference. Uh, we still want you in the USL if you want to be here, uh, again, cause you're a proven team that is, you know, we, we don't, we know you're not going to be here and you're not going to fold in a year or two you're you're a proven team you're going to be here uh and we want what's best for all soccer which i mean nothing against again nothing against canada and their premier league maybe it'll become this great league uh, but as of right now it's the unknown and it's something that sucks that um a quality team is being sort of forced to to go there uh for reasons that seem very fishy so um, folks, you know, share your thoughts on this. Tweet out uh, what you think. Uh, hashtag my OC podcast. Email, whatever. Email Text Ray. His number. It. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Look at that. Um, I think we need to wrap this up. We've been going here for a good amount of time. I think it's a, a good time to cut this off. Like I said, we're going to continue giving grades next episode. We'll get into some more of the players. Um, and then just to give you an idea of what's going on. As we're getting close to the the holiday season, the end of the year, you know, a brand new year. So we'll probably have an episode again next week. Then we'll probably take a, a couple weeks off to sort of rest our brains and and do all the things you need to do this time of the year. 
we'll come back to you sometime uh, probably mid-January. Uh, probably have to give a few remaining grades to some of the the, the highest uh, quality players that were on the team for Orange County last season. Uh, and then hopefully that'll take us into a point where we're getting into some more 2019 team news. Uh, hopefully by then we're going to have more roster announcements that we'll be able to discuss maybe even between now and next episode. Um, but let's do this. As always, we got to do a random final thought. final thought, unless there's other things you want to talk about, Dylan. No, uh, we kind of covered it. Um, oh, man. You know, it's it's going to be another recommendation, but this week it's not literature. <laughs> so maybe some of you will actually follow through. Um, if you've got a Netflix account or if you are a savvy Internet user like myself, you can find the uh, documentary Winter on Fire, which is about the 2014 Ukrainian uh, revolution. Um, it's really good, uh, but it's not one to watch with your kids. It's sometimes a little bit hard to watch. Um, <laughs> so wouldn't recommend that for uh, those of you who watch things with your, your younger children. But yeah, that's a good one. And I think that's my, my biggest... My biggest thought for this week. My brain is pretty fried from finals, so I apologize to everyone. And you still have more to go. <laughs> uh, Dylan's going to give Dylan's going to give some Netflix recommendations. I guess I'll have to give one to Netflix, not Netflix. Um, mine's also a documentary, actually, uh, but it is definitely not about some revolution in the Ukraine. Um, I was, uh, and this is an older documentary. It's probably been on for a while, but I was given a recommendation from a friend. Uh, who shares the same taste in music as I do, but um, there's a great documentary called The Evolution of Hip Hop. Uh, for those of you that love uh, hip hop rap music, uh, it's a great, great watch. There's, I think, eight episodes spanning from the beginning, the origins of it, all the way through, you know, what you have more recently. Uh, it, it's pretty cool for me as a, as a big, I, I've been a big hip hop, hip hop fan forever. It was awesome to just sort of watch it. And I, you know, I'm watching, I'm like, okay, this episode is about, the Bay Area. They have to talk about this, this, and this, and of course, that's what I see on there. So it's pretty cool um, watch. So uh, if you don't want to watch anything about the Ukrainian war, you want to watch something based on music, watch that. Um, other thing is with Richard Chaplow retiring, Orange County, you need to find yourself an English player to replace him. We, we need to have someone from England on the roster. I don't care what you do, who it is, get someone, um, you know, Rumor is it uh, Cameron Lancaster is leaving Louisville City. I know there's rumor of where he's going, but hey, maybe swoop in and, and get him to come out here. That'd be awesome. Uh, if not, you can always go after someone like Harry Kane or or whatever from Tottenham. Yeah, sure. like we said, those wages are probably the same. I think Phoenix yeah. might pick him up to fill in for Chris Cortez. They've probably got the wage structure in place <laughs> and the money behind it to be just fine. You know what? If, if it takes it, I will do a GoFundMe account and all the Orange County fans can throw in money and we can get enough money to, to pay... Harry King okay. just for one match. Yeah, do you know what his release clause is? <laughs> There's no release clause in soccer, but well, I guess there is, but I mean Tottenham's not gonna sell him, but um maybe you can find the next Harry Kane. You know, the funny thing is Cameron Lancaster and Harry Kane Harry Kane came up through Tottenham together, and I think at one point Cameron Lancaster was the higher rated player out of the two. Um, but you know what it is. But hey, we need we need someone with that English accent on our roster. So Orange County. Uh, what? Orange County, find someone. I don't oh, care. Who you know, Harry Kane doesn't have a release clause, so nah. this little pipe dream of yours can live on. But you're gonna have to pay like 250 million to to get him, 300 million to get him. 
I don't think so. Everyone, please um, tweet at us and tell him um, what your thoughts about the record breaking (laughs) transfer deal that would be and how (laughs) how uh, Harry Kane is supposedly worth more than uh, someone like Neymar or Kylian Mbappe or uh, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne. But yeah, tweet at us. Go on with your days, everyone. I'm, I, he's he's more valuable because he's an English player playing on an English team, and because of the way England requires you have to have so many English players on your team, that's what makes him more valuable. Oh, and he's only like what twenty six or something like that, twenty five or whatever he is. But yeah, um, wow. Orange County. This we, is an Orange County podcast. Um, it is. Yes, and you yes, can yes, find yes. us on the Beautiful Game Network. You can find them at bgn.fm and your web browser bar, or you can find them on Twitter at VBGNFM. Yes. But by the way, English player. Hey, uh, fans, tweet at us and put the hashtag MyOCSCPodcast. What English player, and make it reasonable, I guess. We're not going to get a Harry Kane, of course. Um, What what English player do you think is reasonable that Orange County can sign that we could bring in to replace English Chaplow as our English player on this roster? Um, go ahead and tweet that out. What was that? English Chaplo. What? English? Is that what you call them? He's English, right? Yeah. Is that his? Never mind. Uh, Get over it, man. Um. Yeah, like don't me to call you out on this. (laughs) Well, you're supposed to tweet it. You're not supposed to call me out while we're talking. Um. As Dylan said, we're part of the Beautiful Game Network, so check us out there, uh, bgn.fm. Uh, also, you go to, head over to our friends over at Angels Parade. Alicia over there runs that site, and they've covered Orange County very well. Uh, Alicia was our podcast guest of the year uh, from her site over there. So go check them out to follow Orange County. You can always go to the Orange County website. Oh, by the way, Dylan called it out. Uh, Orange County is, I guess, having a, a deal on jerseys, uh, non-cust- non-customized jerseys. But apparently, if you want the black home one, you have to be very small because I don't think they have a lot of sizes left on that one. And you got to be, I mean, really small. These things are slim fit. So I ordered a, a size up on there. And it's, it's nice and tight. Fits my body nice and well. Well, that's the thing. You order the size that you normally would wear and you get it. You put it on your, okay, I got to exercise now. Uh, yeah, I ordered an extra large shirt I wear. And, and I learned I have to exercise because it's a little bit slim. Um, yeah, with that said, uh, you know, Dylan, as always, uh, thank you for joining or being on the podcast or being one of the hosts. <laughs> thank you for joining us. It sounds uh, like your brain's as fried as I am. I'm happy is, to be is. here. Sorry. I was uh, having an off week. Everyone It happens to the best of us. All right. So to do this really quick, I'm going to run through our ending spiel. I'm going to do it super quick. If you can't understand what I'm saying, uh, don't worry about it. You can try and slow this down if you have to. Uh, for those of you who have been listening first from the very beginning, thank you for coming back each and every episode. We appreciate it. If you've listened to us for the first time and you want to hear what we've had to say in the past, go ahead and check out our older episodes. You can hear what we have to say because we always reference those episodes. Uh, for Dylan, for myself, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, and we are out. out.
podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.